This episode is brought to you by Vin Italy International Academy, the toughest Italian wine program. 1,000 candidates have produced 262 Italian wine ambassadors to date. Next courses in Hong Kong, Russia, New York, and Verona. Think you make the cut? Apply now at vinitalyinternational.com. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Voices. My name is Joy Livingston, the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. And today I'm very excited to speak with Andre Houston Mack, a heavy hitter in the wine industry. He started out in the financial world, but left his traditional nine to five to work in the food and wine industry as a sommelier. Uh, while living in Texas, Mac was awarded the sought-after title of Best Young Sommelier in America, and he went on to work for some very prestigious restaurants, one in California and then in New York. And from there, you seem to have exploded into everything because you're in hospitality, author of books, um, you hold talks like TEDx, uh, you're a YouTuber, a winemaker, a foodie a graphic design company owner, <laughs> an educator, a mentor with Unify. Um, you've created some apps even, I saw. I was like, wow, okay. And I was a bit scared to start a conversation with you because I'm not sure if I can do you know, justice to your entrepreneurial spirit in such a small window of time. So, um, Well, we'll, do, we'll get as far as we can get. No, that's great. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm really, really happy to be t speaking to you. I've actually stalked you online. <laughs> really? Yes. I didn't even know. <laughs> you're, you're good at it. This is awesome. So I'm going to start with my first question, which was, <laughs> uh, when you first decided to leave Citicorp, what was the catalyst that made you pursue wine instead? Was there a process you went through? Did you take courses first? Did you have any help from friends or a mentor to help you make your decisions? Uh, I didn't have a mentor. I was inspired to have wine in my life by watching old episodes of Frasier. I wasn't a wine drinker. So after working at Citibank and, you know, taking severance and spending, you know, days, weeks, months on the sofa, uh, there used to be around the same time each day, there used to be back to back to back episodes of this show called Frasier. And, you know, it was something about those two brothers. They were pompous. They loved wine. They had, you know, a sherry ritual. There was something about them. You know what I mean? Just like, just help me like say, oh, you know what? You should have wine in your life. Like it felt like I was, miss they made me feel, feel like I was missing out. And it was just like, wow. Okay. Like I will. Yeah. Okay. I'll take whatever money I had. I didn't have a lot of money or, you know, that kind of thing of not willing to spend a lot of money on wine. So I'd go with, you know, whatever budget I had, $12, $15. And, you know, that show really gave me the courage to walk into a wine shop for the first time in my life. I love that show. I actually, to be honest, I kind of like the dad more. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many good characters on the show and, and you know, they were just the, the first part that invited me in kind of thing. And then that was it. You know, it's like, I, I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now based off of watching that show or from sitting on the sofa. I didn't know where wine would take me. You know, I just, for me, it was just like, oh, my life is missing something. Maybe it's wine. And then as I started to dig deeper, peel back the layers of the onion, you know, you realize that 
I was like, wow, like this is really interesting. There's like so much information here. Wine is just, you know, it's an amazing thing. And that was it. You know, I caught like the proverbial wine bug and then it was off to the races. Um, and this was quite, quite a, you know, not, not that long. I mean, it was long ago. It was over 20 years ago or right around 20 years ago. And, you know, there weren't a lot of resources in Texas. I was living in Texas at the time. I think WSET uh, was, uh, was remotely, was, the exam was given on a proxy. So, you know, for me, I was trying to get as much information as I could. The internet wasn't like fully up and running. I think it, it existed, but not everybody was on it. And so I remember calling a restaurant in Chicago and asking, you know, could they email me their wine list? And they couldn't, but they offered to fax it to me. Oh my God. So they, they faxed it to me. And, um, you know, um, for a lot of it, uh, wine was like, you know, I didn't take any courses, you know, I did the entry level for everything. And I think that was, you know, a lot of that is like, you know, self-starter, like you get your books, you get your stuff, you study, you study, you study, and then you go to a two or three day seminar and they go over the same stuff and then you take an exam and, you know, that kind of proves how much you know. Uh, but for me, at the beginning, there were no mentors or anything. I just kind of hopped right in. It was just something, you know, I started to work at better restaurants. I went back to restaurants after working in finance and, you know, I ended up working at a couple of steakhouses that took wine pretty seriously. And, um, and that was it. I was all in. There was no turning back. Awesome. Yeah, no, inspiration struck. So you were working at these places and you were you you caught the wine bug, as you said, and then eventually you you became the sommelier and you won this best young sommelier award, which is really sought after. And it, it, you went to work for a place called French Laundry in California and Keller's Per Se. Correct in New York, managing an award-winning wine list of 1,500 plus wines. Was there ever a point, this question, you know, this is voices, I got to ask these things, but was there, due to your race or because, you know, people didn't, this is not what they expected a sommelier to look like, did you experience hardships or pushback with customers or coworkers? What did you respond if that, if that was the case? Like, What I would say to address that is, is that being a black man all my life in America, like being in the being a black man in the wine business is no different, right? Like there's are certain things that you you choose on how you go about life, yeah, right. And I think for me, I was interested in being around people who were into wine. Was there some pushback? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, but you know, I showed up at the best restaurant in the world, and yeah, sometimes I would go to the table when people wouldn't think that I'm the sommelier, but. I really got to choose how I felt about it. Yeah. Right. You know, I could be angry. I could be all of those things. But to me, that was just more fuel for the fire. Right. Right. You know, I mean, I don't, I, I could never contemplate and, in, in, in my opinion, waste time on whether I didn't get something or not because of the color of my skin. I get to choose that. Right. And I think for me, I chose just to keep pushing. Get on with it. Right. Yeah. right? Keep pushing along and, and not worrying about that. I couldn't, there's nothing I could do about it. You know, so for me, like, I'm sure maybe there was, or maybe I didn't get this because of that. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, you know, it doesn't just doesn't stop there, right? You know, I show up to a wine shop anywhere in the world to sell wine or whatever it might be. I don't know why they don't buy my wine, right? But you know, I mean, so like that, I try not to like it exists. Yeah, I don't think that I ignore it. I understand what's going on, and I, you know, I just keep going. It didn't. It didn't stop me. You're just gonna do your work and and you know do the best. Yeah. When it's all said and done, then you know, people can say whatever. But you you know what I mean? Like like even for this 
this very podcast that we're on. I'm on the podcast because of the color of my skin, right? Not not really on the merit of my work, right? You, you see what I'm saying? So it, it's a little one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to speak to everybody. Yeah, I could be upset that, you know, at the beginning you did say that I was a heavy hitter in the wine industry, but I'm only on an, in February because it's Black History Month and, and I'm on a show to talk about diversity. Whereas someone else who's maybe done the exact same thing as me or maybe less or wh- whatever you have it, they don't carry the burden of diversity. You see what I'm saying? So the last, the last person that was on this podcast that didn't look like me, no one asked them about diversity. And that, and so that to me is part of the, I wouldn't call it a problem, but could also be part of the solution. Right. You know what I mean? It it actually kind of goes back to the whole thing of like, you know, slavery has been over 400 years, but yet, and still as a black man and a black people, we still carry the burden of slavery. Right. And that, you know what I mean? So it's not my job to carry the burden of diversity in this industry when when I only represent less than 1% or half a percent. The conversation doesn't just start with me. It has to be everybody, right? You know what I mean? And for me, I felt like I've done enough work that I that validates that I should be on this show, not just in February, but any other time of okay. the month. Okay, actually, I'm gonna, so. I'm gonna stop you just for a second, just, but I honestly didn't put two and two together. It was Black History Month. I really didn't realize that. So. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's, it's nobody's bad, right? But like, but I need to say, you know, I feel like I need to say something, right? You know, you know what I mean? Where it's like, well, wait a minute, my, all of my work that I've done in this industry is, is really kind of denoted into this, into only to one thing. Like I can only be on this show if it's about diversity, you know, you see what I'm saying? You make, you do make a good point. And I've actually never looked at it like that because, mm-hmm. you know, we have so many different shows and this being, you know, the diversity, no, show, I get it. we like, because it's so important nowadays to highlight underrepresented communities. And that's great. And, and, and that you're ready and you should, right? Like if that's the stance that you want to take is highlighting them, then highlight them for their merits of what they've done. Not because it, not because it's a show about diversity. And then what, and then the other question is, is like, oh, what can we do to make, make the wine industry more inclusive? Well, that's just not a question for, for people who look like me. It's a question for, it's a question for everybody. It's a question for all of your listeners and all the people that come on your show. And so for me, that's the, you know, it's, it's this problem that I have with all of it is like, it can't just fall on me. Yeah. Right. It, it, it just, it just can't. And, and so I, I get it nowadays it's, it's important to highlight and that's great. But like to highlight and put in a certain little box is to me is unfair, you know, and, you know, and I'll speak for myself. It's unfair to me personally, you know, like I'm not for whoever, you know, but for me, considering the amount of things that I've done in the industry that that I can only be on a particular show within this network about diversity. And uh, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a slap in the face. Right. They say they say that I that that uh, the only thing that I've done, the only reason where I'm really on the show is because of what I look like. OK, well, uh, just before I go back to like yeah, yeah. questions and you can keep it, you can keep it in if you like. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> I, let me let me listen to it first because I really sound. No, no. I mean, but these but these are the conversations. Right. These are these are conversations. I'm just being really candid. These are the conversations that we all need to have if we want this if we want this industry to be inclusive. Well, then let me ask you a question. Yeah. Based on what you just said to me, mm-hmm. the premise of if I understand, like of you being on this show is only it's only because of the color of your skin. How would you? Because I'm the producer, right? So I spend a lot of time looking for people, and so it really falls on me 
So my question to you is how can I, okay. like, how can I fix this? You know what I mean? How can I? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess like for me, the, if we're talking about me in particular, I mean, I don't know what other shows you have or whatever, but like the fact that you chose me to be on your show to talk about diversity is unfair to me. So when I start to think is like, oh, wow. Okay. It's Black History Month. It's February. It is, it is, I'm on a show about diversity and for many years, this is this is what I got to talk about. Not that I make over a hundred thousand cases. Not that I represent any anything. All the things that you talked about, they all become minimalized because because I'm on a show about diversity. When when I've done way more than any than than a lot of the people that are on the show, for who are being celebrated for for the accomplishments that they've done within the industry. It's not clouded by 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 race or this, this dark topic about whatever. Right. 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 You know, you, you see what I'm saying? And I think for me, you know, and, and let's be honest, like I didn't, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to do this podcast because I don't do these anymore. Right. 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 And then I said, you know what? That's not fair. Let me, let me come on. And the right thing to do is to talk about it. Okay. To say, to say, Hey, just, just a hint, maybe just a nudge, like, Hey, this is, this is kind of how this, <laughs> this is. Right. It's like, you know, for some people, I think I think to judged on their experience and the things that they've done, maybe like, OK, yeah, they can start off because maybe they haven't done much. But we want to highlight these people. I'm I'm you know what I mean? I'm being singled out. OK. For my race once again, which is which is something that I didn't you know what I mean, which is something that I want to get away from. Um, but, you know, I'm not, and, and that when I say get away from it's like there's nothing I could ever change about who I am. Right. I'm proud to be who I am. I'm proud of the, all the things that I got to do in this wonderful industry. And it wasn't just because I just hung out with people who looked like me. It was because I was a part of this industry. And the fact that like within that industry, I get talked about only because of like, because of what I look like and that I get it. I'm not supposed to be here. I get it. There's not a lot of people who look like me. I get it. There's not a lot of people who they're not used to seeing someone like me in those roles. Right. I get that. I understand the power in that. I truly do. Right. Because there's thousands of people that I mentor every single day and not all of them look like me. Um, I understand what all of that is. But like in, in instance for this and, and just just for the whole conversation is that if you su support, if you want to support those people, then support those people, not diminish them to a, to one month or to one show. And if we're really going to talk about have the conversation about diversity, then we need to have the, the conversation about diversity with people with people who don't look like the people being being oppressed or whatever. You, you see what I'm saying? Like that, like those are the people the industry is, I think making wine, I represent a half a percent. Right. People who look like me. So the fact that you would ask me what I could do about diversity and not my neighbor. Right. <laughs> you know, in the, in the Willamette Valley and ask him what he can do, then it then the then we'll always be having this conversation and with nothing getting done. Right. And I'll get off my soapbox. I just want to, I just, I, I'm not angry or anything. I'm very passionate. I, I just wanted to say, say that. I know you weren't expecting that. And you're like, oh my God, I'm nervous. And like, this guy's landing to, I'm not landing to, I just, I just wanted to say that, that, that particular thing. No, I, I do actually appreciate it because so often most people, when they talk on mm -hmm. the podcast, they don't actually tell me what they're actually thinking or how they feel. So I can listen to this at any point later and try and, you know, because it hits home now, but it will hit home more when I sort of pick it apart and I try to, you know, take the best out of it. 
And I think you are somebody who I can get, I get why you're a mentor now, (laughs) because I think I actually learned something here from you, which is useful and uh, yeah, good for the way that I think and um, how, why I do things and my decision process. So I, I think it's fascinating, but thank you. Okay. Okay. Like I just needed to say that on the onset, I get what you're saying. You can, you can ask whatever questions you like about whatever, because you, when you said, I have to ask this because of the name of the show. And then that's when I was like, all right, maybe I can say what I really want to say here. Just like, just like, Hey, like you really don't have to because, <laughs> but I understand what the show is and I agreed to come on the show. And so I, I, I know the rules of the game. So I'll answer those questions, but I just wanted to say what I need to say kind of thing. I, I kind of just wanted to ask you about wine, YouTube, yeah. and like <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. No, it's great. You can ask me anything. I, like I said, I know the rules for the show. And when you said at the beginning, when you were like, you're like, I only want to ask these questions because I have to, huh? Okay, so, okay. So, so moving on. <laughs> All good. I don't want to mess your show up, Joy. I'm here. <laughs> Here, okay, tell me about your wines. Okay, you made you, you, mm-hmm. you, you are you, you're a winemaker, and um, I know it's hard. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm good, but it's like, all right, I was like, wow, okay, all right. You have a wine label or several wine labels? Help me understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started a company called um, Maison, actually, it was called Mouton Noir Wines back in 2007. And you know, I was leaving the restaurant business and you know, I was, you know, I had a, I had a great job. I would say one of the top 10 jobs in the world, being a sommelier per se, running the beverage department. You know, those aren't jobs that you walk away from that many people walk away from. And I think for me, the big thing was like, I wanted to continue to learn about wine, just, you know, outside of the confines of the four walls of the restaurant. I just wanted to, it was something else. And, and, and I think learning about wine, I felt like the natural progression was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go make wine, start a company, that could scratch the itch of me wanting to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to have more creativity in my life. I felt like, you know, sommeliers are more like curators. Uh, you know, they collect people's stories. Uh, they put them on the list. Um, and that's kind of it for create for creativity. And I thought by making this move, I could do all of this. Um, I guess, you know, the push that I needed is that, you know, now my wife, my girlfriend at the time, wrote a New York Times top-selling book called Service Included about working in the restaurant, which was more of a love letter. It wasn't a tell-all. I like to say it was a tell-some. It was done very classy and gracefully. But that, you know, I think that gave me the, the oomph to jump off the cliff in a way of just saying, Hey, I could, I could do this. I want to, I want to go accomplish this other thing. And so I left, you know, I had no money. I didn't write a business plan. Um, you know, I wrote an email to everybody I'd had ever, ever worked with saying, you know, what I was going to do was go to make wine. And it was through the good graces of the people that I had met and relationships that kind of really made it come together as, you know, as I kind of like, it was all kind of finagle and Frankenstein together at the beginning, just because I had no plan. And, you know, wherever I had free terms, no terms is where I went, you know, I made wine in other people's winery. And that's kind of how it all started. I built the company off of receivables. So if I didn't sell any wine, I didn't eat. Uh, it really took three years to get it off the ground. It's a lot of stop and start. Um, I made wine in Washington State, Oregon, Napa, Lompoc, uh, so Southern California. And, you know, my heart really lied in Oregon. I, I think for me, all the great wine lists that I had a hand in building, you know, they bookend on red and white burgundy. So that was kind of my first love. And when I thought about, you know, 
domestically who was making great Pinot, you know, I kept circling back to the Willamette Valley. And then, you know, the stars kind of aligned, you know, a, a guest of the restaurant who I was friendly with, he was thinking about, he was a movie producer, you know, I ran into him on the street and he was like, hey kid, you know, how you doing? Last time I talked to you, you said you were, you know, making wine. I said, yeah, I got a project that I'm doing out in Napa, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I just bought a parcel of vineyard, the Seven Springs Vineyard in Oregon, and uh, you should come check it out. Call my assistant and she'll book you a ticket and you can come out and check it out. And that's kind of really how I started. And, you know, that seems like a, a lifetime ago. And that was kind of, that was my, thing, my deal. I mean, we went from, I mean, we're sold in, I don't know, 30 something countries, something like that, almost every single state. You must be um, very good at multitasking because three years and you, you've been doing other things in that time as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no. It's amazing, you know, when I think about like how much time I spent at work when I, you know, ran the, the you know, I worked for Thomas and ran the beverage department, you know, it, uh, you think about how long you're gone. And, and the first thing you notice when you, <laughs> when you leave is like how much time is left in the day. Yeah. You know, I think at the beginning, you know, I, a lot of it relied on me. I mean, I don't really sleep much, you know, I just am all in, you know, I found a partner who, understands that about me um you also have a, a bunch of kids don't you yeah yeah i do i have four i have four children I have four boys from 13 11 uh six actually pickle turns six next week and Rye just turned three um yeah and so yeah no i mean like i think i realized that you can have it all but you have to you know what i mean that doesn't mean that you have to manage it all right um, and that was, you know, and, you know, I had to learn that in therapy, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I really had a hard time, I had a hard time delegating, you know, where I, you know, I got to, you know, I got to. Oh, are you talking about like relinquishing control? Yeah, absolutely. In terms yeah, of, absolutely. of, you know, all yeah. the different projects and just not micromanaging everything or. Yeah. And I think that all really started. Should I wait for that? I should wait for that. Can you hear the car horn going off? <laughs> it's New York. That's Okay. <laughs> Okay, good, good, good. That's how, and you ready? And that's how I would really do a podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the bus is stopping. It's New York City. Yeah, no. Um, when, you know, when I worked at the French Laundry, I was one of the floor sommeliers. Uh, and then when I moved to New York, I became the beverage director. And now I had like four or five other sommeliers work underneath me. Uh, and that was was a, a challenge for me. You know, it was. You know, I kind of came from that background. If I had to ask you twice, then I might as well do it myself. Yeah. And and also, like you know, I think something mentally where it's like, oh, I'll go move these boxes because that was what I knew. That's what was easy. What I should have been working on was this and that. And uh, and by going to therapy, I felt like I really started to understand how to how to do that and like all the good things that come from that. And so that was one of the first places that it, it, I realized, like, oh, okay, I just need, I just don't need to, I didn't want to depend on anybody because they would let me down. But then also I realized that I can't accomplish the things that I want to accomplish just by myself. I'm only one person. Yeah. And so I did a really good job of that by myself for a long time. And then I realized that like, you know, there's other things that I and I need to need to do. And so for to, to have that trust, the trust. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you have to build it. You know, I mean, I, I think for me, the biggest thing is I hired a personal assistant and that was, I mean, that was about five years ago, six years ago. And that made my whole life better, right? Like, made, like made me a better father, made me a better husband, made me a better business person, made me a better boss. All, all because you know I could actually focus on the things that I needed to do. You know, I, I felt like I was, you know, disrespecting people's time. I couldn't write back in an email in a timely manner. 
And so, you know, to have someone help me manage my life on a part on all sides was like great. But that, you know, that to me, that was the key. I think for me, it was the key is like being able to delegate uh, allowed me to be able to do a lot more. You know, I, I took a lot of, you know, I mean, for 10 years, I traveled over 250 days a year. Okay, so I also had a question about Get Fresh Crew, your yes. uh, design uh, company. Let me get the timeline straight again. Okay, so when did you start this winery, this this wine label? I started in 2007. Yeah, 2007 I started. Our first vintage was 2007. We had some wines from Oregon and some wines from, uh, from California. 2011, you started Get Fresh Crew. We officially started it then. But it, but I had been already doing the work, so I designed all the wine labels for me, for my company. Yeah, that's why I was going to ask, is because there's got to be some overlap here. Like it seems like a good creative outlet, but also you get to work with like-minded people. You get to work on your wines with your own company. Like, yeah, no, I mean it was all the things that I basically that I had to teach myself to do because I didn't have any money that I end up being able to use to make money, (laughs) right? So it's like I remember. We were talking, I was like, I needed a graphic designer. So I was asking my friend, I was like, hey, you have a a recommendation for a graphic designer. He's like, oh, we love these people. And so I go take a meeting with them. And afterwards, they're like, oh, it'll be $25,000 per, you know, label design or something like that. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was like, what? You know, and I was like, I don't even have $25,000 like liquid for like, for like grapes, you know, barrels, like none of that corks, glass, you know. So I was like. All right. So I end up, you know, buying um, a used iMac on Craigslist and digging in. And that was kind of a, b- a big deal. You know, I, it took me years to realize that that I like doing that, like that I felt at ease doing that. And actually still to this day, sitting behind my computer and bringing something to life through design um, is is a is you know almost therapeutic for me it's it's really amazing for me to be able to like space out like i don't get to do it as much just because we have so much stuff going on but um it's definitely something that i love that i love doing but yeah we i started a company called get fresh crew uh and we do we've been doing design work uh for a lot of industry people for for years Hmm. no i i find it like i think it's it's great actually that you're able to to have that overlap with your other products you know actually speaking of okay so you talked about creativity and being artistic and so i watch a lot of youtube that's probably how i ended up interviewing you and mm-hmm. okay so mm-hmm. you have a youtube channel but i noticed you're actually mm-hmm. on other channels as well your channel it seems is very personal like we've got mm-hmm. trips we got friends we got food you've got stuff you like it's it's a really great channel i also saw you on mm-hmm. bon appetit which i thought was awesome you did something through the grapevine yeah, so uh, with Bon Appetit, I have uh, two shows. I have a show called World of Wine with Andre. And so it's like um, educational, kind of fun. You know, it's fun, like, you know, breaking down some of the barriers, how to de- decipher a wine label, you know, all those kind of things. I think we just did one on wine tools and I think Sparkling Wine for 15. So I've shot, oh, geez, probably about 12 or twelve or 13 of those. I've been watching them. They're Thank you. So yeah, they, it, it's so funny because I would have never thought that they would be like such a big hit. I think, yeah, I think. There's quite a few that are over a million views, which is so weird to me. But um, and then uh, they give me another show called uh, Through the Grapevine, and that's really fun for me. You know, it's challenging because normally I'm getting interviewed instead of doing the interviewing. Uh, and I also feel like you know, wine sets the tone. You know, so it's a celebrity wine tasting with a twist. 
where we sit down. Well, they look like they're having a great time. No, totally. Yeah, we were having a ball. Yeah, we have a... I watched one with Kevin Hart, and I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty fun. It was it was pretty fun. Um, and then on my own, I started my personal, own personal YouTube back in the day, and it was just something fun to do. Uh, and I think for me, it was more of just showing a glimpse of like of my life like we moved to Europe for four months with after our third son was born and, you know and I was on the road a lot right so I had I had less I didn't have all of, I didn't have my restaurant business I didn't have all those stuff and so I, I felt like I had time I, I shot and edited all of those so I didn't even hand them off to anybody else so it was one of those things where I just wanted to do you're preempting my questions because I really wanted to ask like a do you do it just for fun do you, do you is it something for your personal brand or just just because you enjoy it or um, you know do you have other people edit no. for you like you know what I mean like no 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 one edited it for me it was just me I did it for fun and for brand like it was like to be able to learn something was just like really fun to be able to do and to be able to edit all of that. And, and then there goes the whole delegating thing again, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I gave it to someone else, what you really realize is that a lot of the creativity is in the edit, how you tell the story. Exactly. And if I handed it over to someone else and I couldn't really tell it and a lot of it was personal, but it, I mean, I basically filmed like three years of my life. Yeah. And so I only got around to editing those particular videos that you see that that are up there. But a lot of it is like me going to the airport every single week. Yeah, I noticed that. And then and then where and then wherever I would land, you know, whether that be Sweden, France, you know, Indianapolis or, you know. Well, I think yesterday I watched you a day in Seattle or something. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, do you do you when you're done with your videos and stuff, uh, even like the ones you edited, for example, you spent hours and hours editing. Do you like do you worry about things like views? No, and no, because I, yeah, because it's like everything else. Like you just start. Like I think people get discouraged by how many people see it. Uh, and that's not it. You know, I think for me, you know, I always kind of related to music, you know, underground music and you discover when you or when you finally discover an artist you like, it's kind of cool to be able to go back and see their other works of art. You know what I mean? Their, their earlier stuff. And they can kind of binge on it. Right. And I think. Oh, my God, that's so true. The, the same way. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, I do that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, that's what I love. That's what I kind of loved about it. So for me, I never I never worried about the views. And, you know, I'm only on any of these social media platforms because my friend Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk told me to get on them. Like way back in the day, he was like, hey, man, are you on Twitter? And I was like, what is that? He's like, dude, you should get on Twitter. I said, OK. You know what I mean? Like all of it. Hey, you're on YouTube? No, I'm not on YouTube. Like whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. But we, you know, we, we've been friends and, and, you know, he was always talking about technology. You know, I had never met anybody who owned a wine shop that had eight IT guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It was like on another level. And... And that's, the, you know, that's the reason why I got on any of the platforms. And so for me, it was always just like, hey, just experiment. We put them up there. I mean, we have way more, have way more views on, on Bon Appetit, but that's their channel that they built. For me, people are slowly discovering and I think there'll be stuff there and we're getting ready to reboot. So now, as I realized that, like, I can't do everything. And now, you know, I can talk a little bit more about what I want. Um, then we have people go back in and editing the videos and I mean which is cool. I don't have time to shoot anymore because, you know, I think we're, you know, we're negotiating a couple of shows so that, you know, 
so you'll see more of me on primetime TV, but like less, you know what I mean? So I won't be able to shoot. I'm shooting a lot of my own stuff, but. Okay, so should I. Be should be fun. I have two more questions. It was one yes. more question, but now I have two. <laughs> so. Okay, all right, cool. You said you were going to do more stuff and like, what is it that you're going to be doing? What is it you want to do that you're going to do now that you can do it? Yeah, no, I mean, everything. I mean, I during the pandemic, I just built a whole restaurant group. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, it started with one, one little hand bar. All I wanted ever, like, was like to be a part of the New York City restaurant landscape, to be a part of that history. And, you know, moving here and, you know, dining out a lot and doing a lot of that kind of stuff and working where I worked at, you know, it was something that, that was like, oh man, one day I want to own my own place. And it was like this, you know, is all I want is like this little hand bar. It's like I'm sitting in it now. It's 400 square feet. It seats 22 people. And, you know, we do all American charcuterie. We have the world's largest selection of country hams. And, you know, we do American cheeses and we have, you know, old American wine back to the 50s. Wow. And um, all in a little neighborhood place. I've lived like, I don't know, call it 84 seconds from here. It's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and so I started that in the... Uh, we opened in January, January, 2020, and then the pandemic hit. So we were open for two and a half months. And then to be honest with you, we haven't had a, a solid year underneath our belt, right? 2020, it closed, we closed down and didn't open back up until October. And then 2021, we didn't open until August because of mandates. So we weren't allowed to open. Uh, but in that time next door, we had already had the lease there and we wanted to do, um, you know, a, a provision store, you know, so a kind of bougie deli. Uh, and then, in the, and then the, in between, in like 19, we bought a wine shop. All, so everything's all on the same street. We bought a wine shop. Okay. One night I got drunk and bought like a, a stone mill, a large 26 inch stone mill. It took them two months to build. Uh, and then we decided to start our own bakery because when we were open for two months at the ham bar, we, what we realized is that we couldn't get good bread. Like, you know, a lot of my friends, they, they make good bread, but like just getting it, I mean, logistics of New York, but just getting it there. Uh, with something different. So yeah, we just we just did a whole bunch of stuff. How how there's just so much of it. How do you logistically stay on top <laughs> of everything? Because okay, I know you said you have an assistant, but Oh, well, I mean that's that's just my personal thing. But there's people I mean there's I mean I have like 30 something employees. Yeah, of course, but like still, how do you stay on top of like every single thing? Like that's a lot of stuff. Like Well, well, well I think I think if you have, you know, maybe the way my brain works, but like we have you have a point person. That person, that person is responsible for that. I meet with that person. That person is responsible for that. I meet with that person. I think it's just what you put a priority on. Like, I love doing this. This is great. Like, what and what we've been able to do in my neighborhood. You know, I mean, we have seven businesses on one street. That's amazing. And then I put my office. So all my off, my office on the East Coast for everything is is here on the street. And yeah, no, I mean, it takes a lot. But like, I think being able to let go and let other people be responsible and run those and run those things are great. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I mean, there's sacrifices, right? I don't have a lot of free time. I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not how, how it works for me. That's not how I, I work. I don't go on vacation. Right. Actually, the V word is a bad word in my house. <laughs> so they all, they all know. They're like, they're like, oh yeah, pop's working. Okay. All right, cool. But I mean, I go with them. All right. So wherever we go, I go with them, but I stay in work. I stay in the hotel and work or wherever we're at. And then they go out and do their thing. Um, but it's, uh, it's been, you know, it's fun. Like I, I enjoy doing this part. Like, I don't know what else I would be doing. <laughs> 
Uh, the last uh, point I really wanted to touch on today that I really wanted to talk about was education. Because, again, I was watching you on one of these videos, and I saw you on this thing called, it was titled Spoon University. Yeah, I remember them. I remember them, yeah. You were talking to this uh, this young girl, and she was really responding to you. Yeah. Okay, you guys were tasting. Yeah, it looked, it looked really cool. And I just, you know, I wanted you to talk about your your sort of connection to to education and how you how did you get into it you know how do you feel about teaching people you know do you have special strategies that you that you always try and employ because you seem to really have a, a knack with talking to younger people yeah I, I think it just all comes from training like this is what you did in the restaurant you know every day you'd get up in front of the staff and talk about wine talk about a region you would give classes once a week to educate the front of the house staff or whoever wanted to attend. So teaching really had to be a part of it. I didn't I didn't realize that I w- would do it, you know? And then also I think it's the way that you convey it. Like for me, I just try to put it in layman's terms, everything, and, you know, relate it to to popular culture. And I think, you know, that that relates with young people. I, I And also, like, you know, I think the stereotypical thing is that, you know, that you're wearing a suit or you're all buttoned up, maybe you have an ascot, you know, there's this real pretentious thing <laughs> that people think goes on with wine. And for me, you know, I show up, you know, I got tennis shoes on, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, just, you know, just come relaxed. And, you know, and I think, I think being able to explain wine in that way, and I've done it so time, so many, so many times that, you know, you try to be able to break it down to its, you know, to its smallest particle. And, you know, I mean, all the, all the dinner, yeah, all the dinner, the dinners, every, I mean, I traveled 200 and over, and I think I did 292 one year, but all of those are going to dinners, like taking, like putting on dinner, winemaker dinners, like speaking in front of people, trying to break down things in a way that, that are, that are relatable in a way, you know, talking about palate fatigue, right? And people are like, what? And it's like, well, you, yeah, you remember like chewing a piece of gum for like 20 minutes and then it loses its flavor? And they're like, yeah. And I said, then maybe you took it out of your mouth, put it on the side of your plate, and somehow you're like, oh, there's some gum there, and you picked it back up and put it in your mouth. <laughs> and and automa- and then it had flavor. It had more flavor than it did the, you know, had more flavor than it did at the end. That's palate fatigue, you know. So just being able to break it down and explain it in a way, in a way that I think that people can understand. And I think sometimes, you know, it's it's the messenger too, right? You know, it's like being at ease and saying, wow, this it's like you know this guy can learn about why maybe I can too, you know, the power of seeing someone that looks like you too helps. But, um, yeah, it's funny about the young people. She was really great. I had a, a, had a really fun time there. I think I left there and got straight on a plane too. So <laughs> went to go somewhere, but they, it was here in New York. It was fun. Yeah, no, it was, I, I really enjoyed that. So, well, this brings us, I think to the end, I don't want it to end, but it has to end. There's so many things that I could and would love to ask you. You have been an absolute pleasure to talk to. Like, Thank you. I appreciate it so much. I know you're a busy, busy man. And I can only say I wish you all of the best. Thank you, Joy. I'm going to go hide in my car because that's the only place. I actually, you know, it's the only place that I'm like, normally I take all my Zoom calls in the car. Oh, God. People are like, people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, my God, dude. Like, 
Like I can't go anywhere and I have to park the car around the corner because all my employees know my car looks like. Do people sort of point and say, look, there's a crazy guy talking to himself in a car? Yeah. And I can't go home because like they're all like, I used to work from home. That was like crazy. Well, with four children, I can imagine that. Like, yeah, we just had to, you know, it's like, like you know, it's like, hey, when I'm wearing this cowboy hat, <laughs> Papa's invisible. Okay. You can't see me. Don't talk to me. Nothing. You know, does that work? It, 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 it used to work earlier. Then now it's like, <laughs> like, oh, Pop thinks he can't see him. We can see him. We see you pop. You know what I mean? They're really funny. But uh, that was that was that was about five or six years ago. So they're really funny about it. That's uh, sweet though. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. Awesome, Jordan. Have a great day. All right, you too, Joy. All right, you have a good one. You too. Right. Bye. All right, cheers. Thank you for listening. And remember to tune in next Wednesday when I'll be chatting with another fascinating guest. Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with a daily show. Tune in every day and discover all our different shows. You can find us at italianwinepodcast.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Himalaya, or wherever you get your pods. Hi guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.